Welcome to Field Notes, a podcast about linguistic fieldwork. I'm Martha Sutsui Billens, and today's episode is with Mary Walworth. Mary is the co leader of the Comparative Oceanic Languages Project at the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History in Germany. She received her MA and PhD from the University of Hawaii at Manoa where she focused primarily on documenting the understudied languages of French Polynesia. She specializes in the historical relationships of oceanic languages, examining both direct relatedness and indirect contact-based linguistic development. She has worked with many communities throughout French Polynesia and Vanuatu, most recently on the islands of Imai and Epi in central Vanuatu. I'm really excited about this episode today with Mary because she's going to be sharing her experience of doing research and doing fieldwork while she was pregnant and then later taking her child as a very young baby and then again as a toddler into her field site. And in this interview, Mary discusses how taking her child into her field site changed her relationship with the community that she was working with and also how she managed to prioritize her research and her family. And um, yeah, I think there's something that whether you have children or don't have children or planning to have kids or not, there's a lot that can be learned from, from her perspective and from her story. Thank you, Mary, so much for coming on Field Notes. Yeah, it's really nice to be here. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, sure, of course. So you're here to talk about something very specific. Yeah. Can you take us through your fieldwork biography and like what your experience doing fieldwork with your child has been like? Sure. So I'm a, a fieldworking linguist. I'm a language documentation person. But my sort of true love of linguistics is historical linguistics. So I do language documentation and a lot of language fieldwork and linguistic fieldwork as sort of a means to the analysis, the historical analysis end. So I've been, I, I work mostly on oceanic languages and I started during my master's and PhD in uh, Polynesia and East Polynesia and spent a lot of time um, floating around French Polynesia, um, so to speak and did my PhD on a small island called Rapa Iti. And then I did a postdoc also in French Polynesia, and then now working for um, Max Planck Science of Human History. My primary focus is uh, in Vanuatu. So a few years, about a year and a half into my work with the Max Planck that has a heavy fieldwork focus for me, I got pregnant. And um, with my now two, almost two and a half year old daughter, and I had some decisions to make as to whether I was going to sort of keep doing field work or stop and kind of focus on the armchair side of things and the analysis side of things. But we were, you know, because a lot of these languages that we were trying to work out their historical relationships for, because a lot of them, a lot of them are understudied. 
it's kind of hard to do the analysis side of things without the fieldwork side of things. So we decided to go for it and do the fieldwork. And you found out really close to when you were yeah, leaving for yeah, fieldwork, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So I found out, I think, two days before, before I was supposed to get on the plane from Germany to go over to Vanuatu. And it was like very, very early days and way too early to talk to my boss about it or any of my colleagues about it or any of the team. And tickets were already paid for. And it wasn't a totally unplanned thing, but it wasn't planned for that exact moment. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, we talked with my partner and we just decided, okay, let's, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go and and see what happens and talk to doctors there. And I talked to my doctor in Germany and she was sort of like, I kind of know where that is. So I guess go whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And um, yeah. So, I mean, I I did the the whole thing. I was in the field pregnant. We took our daughter together um, when she was eight months old, eight to 10 months old. And then again, this last year when she was about a year and a half, so she's been in the field since in utero. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel like that's such an amazing story. It's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I, a lot of it is, especially because in the beginning, I was a little bit like, okay, I'm supposed to go to Vanuatu for four months now to like the the kind of work that we were doing in the project at that time was to do wordless elicitation sort of all over different islands. And that year I was set out to go travel around basically like on foot a lot, an entire island, the island of Epi. And I was going to do that for three, four months. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, is this safe? I wasn't even really sure, but I just thought I'll go and I'll figure it out. And I decided talking with doctors there that maybe it wasn't the best decision to start go walking, like putting a lot of strain on myself in my first trimester. So I found consultants to work with in the capital city and sort of was able to stay in a little bit more comfortable, reliable accommodation. And really speaking in terms of food, like more reliable access to food and clean water. So I did that for about a month. And then I took a break and went to Australia to ANU and did some office work and then went back in my second trimester and did sort of an abbreviated tour around the east, only the east part of Epi. And I did that with my partner. And yeah, so at that point, I was feeling, feeling good, and everything was in good shape. So yeah, I was just being flexible and trying to adapt, I guess was, was the way to go. Yeah. Did you have a kind of a backup plan? Like if you had gotten there, and you were like, this is not working out? Do you think you could have just been like, I have to leave? Or did you feel like you had to stay and just see it through? Yeah, I mean, I think the pressure that you know, we can put on ourselves, mm-hmm. I was like, I've got to stay and see this through. And then, you know, I was so sick. I was so just sick the first month or so just nauseous all of the time that I was like, I got to get out of here. So at that point, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> at that point, I was like, I can't, this is not happening. So that at that point, I was able to kind of tell my boss, hey, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and, um, and he was totally great and really super understanding. And he was like, get out of there. <laughs> go, go where, you know, and, and that's where we decided that I had, we had lots of collaborators and colleagues at Australian National University. And 
that was a nice little home away from home and had people, friends that I could stay with. And we thought that would be a, a good break. But yeah, no, I was really, I was lucky to have really good support and sort of a very supportive boss and, and a good situation. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome. So did you like use your just I'm just wondering, did you use yeah. your travel insurance to pay for your doctor's visits when you were in Australia or did you have to go out of pocket? I had to go out of when I was pregnant. I had to go out of pocket. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, that was it wasn't so much. Um, I think we did one ultrasound. I think we tried to get it covered by insurance when we came back because mm-hmm. I had travel insurance, of course. But yeah, it didn't cover sort of pre-existing conditions which, uh. <laughs> because I had gotten pregnant in Germany before I went over to the Pacific then I guess it was pre-existing conditions. oh my gosh that's so wild yeah. isn't that funny <laughs> yeah I think if something had gone wrong uh-huh they would have covered it but since it was just like a routine checkup, checkup. kind of thing they were like we yeah. don't care yeah we don't care <laughs> I mean, were you nervous about, like, your productivity or your safety? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the fieldwork being pregnant was one thing, but then fieldwork when we actually took our daughter was just a whole different, a whole different thing. And, like, that was kind of crazy. (laughs) I mean, it was great. It was a wonderful experience, but it was, it was incredibly challenging. Um, And I think... You know, the preparation for it was challenging, but actually like being there was sort of mentally and physically challenging. You know, all of that being said, there were there were moments and lots and lots of moments, daily moments that made the challenge worth it. But it was definitely, definitely a challenge. And I think, you know, like emotionally, I was like constantly worried. I was like anxious all of the time that we were in the field and you know like I'd see a mosquito and I'd be like is that a dengue mosquito or is that a malaria mosquito (laughs) and like is it or is it just a regular mosquito I don't know and I just you know like I got really good at just like smacking and killing mosquitoes you know I'd worry you know if the sun was too strong and had I put enough sunscreen on her or were we running out of sunscreen and like you know what is she putting in her mouth I don't recognize that object where's that object been or like there's rotting metal over in that corner that she's crawling to. And, you know, it was just everything, everywhere I looked was felt like anxious and there was an obstacle and, you know, like first time parents, that's sort of par for the course Mm -hmm. in any situation. And then adding this extra layer of being in the field. Yeah. In the field. And even though it's a place that I knew and it's a place that I was comfortable in by myself it just was a whole other layer of, of anxiety. And yeah, it was, it was really hard. And I I was fortunate that like, I could share that load with my partner who was also with me. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit of relief, but it was, it was really like really intense. And it wasn't just kind of the mental charge of like, what's going to happen to her and is she going to be safe? But also it was just it brought a whole new obstacle into my work. Like it wasn't just, you know, I've got to walk to the next village with all of my equipment and it might rain. So I've got to keep my equipment dry. Like, you know, the, all of the things that you usually think about 
it then was, I've got to do all of that. And then I've also got to keep this baby safe and dry and attached to me as I walk to the next village. Uh, so it just became like another extra thing, of course, to think about. I'd be bouncing her and like breastfeeding her sometimes as I was talking to people and like preparing for an interview or, you know, meeting people and introducing myself with this baby and sort of bouncing her. She's like attached to me in the, in the carrier. And then, you know, if she would sleep, then I could record somebody. (laughs) And those were also sort of obstacles. You know, one of these like very vivid, vivid memories I have of this time is she was asleep in the carrier on me. And I was in a I had met with this this chief in another village from where we were staying. And I had, you know, I had sort of limited time with him. And she had thankfully fallen asleep. But it was sort of one of the situations where I couldn't, I knew if I sort of kept my voice low and monotone, that would be okay. But any sort of abrupt movement would be like the end and she would wake up and I wouldn't be able to really record. So I was like, gingerly putting the microphone on him on his head and then you know putting the headphones on my head and just like very moving very slowly and he's sort of smiling and then it was like okay everything's set let's press record I think we have like an hour to do this thing like let's go through this word list and like let's just do it and it was fine but that was like this is the scene that I remember from that time is like gotta get my business done you know when I can It's like a really extreme version of like the time management struggle that you see all parents stereotypically go through. Yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. And then you add in like the physical, the physicalness of like exhaustion. Yeah. And like being in hot weather with a human attached to you, you know, and in this baby carrier that became like a second skin to me, it was she was she was always in that thing. But then it was also really great because it was like, in a way, all of these sort of challenges made me like, it made me very vulnerable, I think. And I think that made me sort of more open Mm -hmm. and, and made me appear more open probably, which is something I think before when I would do field work on my own, I I wasn't really experiencing, you know, before when I do field work, I sort of had a I was very, I went into it like very confident and very sort of like new with like a neutral professionalism, I guess you could say. And, you know, a lot of that comes from just the challenges that can come from being a woman alone in the field. You know, you have to sort of have to have a little bit of this confidence and, and be very professional um, because especially at least in my experiences where I've worked, you know, there, there are, there are challenges that you can encounter so in those times, I, I was really reluctant to sort of like open people or let, pe- let people into sort of my personal life. And in fact, I'd, I'd sometimes even have to lie about my personal life, like wear a fake wedding ring. I think I did um, a couple of times during my PhD and then, you know, or sometimes say that my boyfriend was my husband or, you know, after the, the questions of, you know, are you married or why don't you have children or are you here to find a husband? And so you have to, <laughs> you, know, you have to embellish a little bit and, and sort of like refocus that this is about the language work and you no, know, I'm not here to find a husband. I'm here to, 
I'm interested in your language, etc. But so that was sort of my experience before. And this was a whole different thing because having my family with me sort of put my life on display, you know, whether I wanted it to or not. And people had this sort of view into my personal life and my inside world instead of how it usually is, which is kind of the other way around, right? Like, so I wasn't just like looking in and and looking at people's language and asking questions about language, but we were sort of looking at each other in a way. And I think that made me more relatable. And it certainly made me feel less of an outsider in the end, because people were just curious. They were curious about how we were parenting and and especially women were really curious about how I was interacting as a mother with my baby. They were almost, it felt like a, they were almost as interested in me and my daughter as I was about their language, you know? So it was really fun um, in a lot of ways to sort of like ask each other questions. And, and women were constantly asking things like, oh, you breastfeed? Oh, you're breastfeeding your baby? We, you know, we do that too. And let me see how you do it. And so I just sort of like breastfeed my daughter and for people. <laughs> no, you're not really, but you know, they <laughs> I remember one woman was watching as I was breastfeeding and she was like, wow, that's how I do it too. Or, you know, and it was just, it's like a universal thing, right? Like people could relate yeah. to everybody has babies everywhere. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it was, it was very personal. I think it was a very, I didn't intend for it to be such a personal thing. Um, to bring her with us, but it it, it was it, it was definitely personal. But in terms of like planning, kind of coming back to your question about the worrying about productivity and time management and those kind of things, yeah, I mean, I think you know safety was sort of my number one concern, like both before and definitely during. As I said, I was you know anxious all the time about anything to do with her safety. I just constantly worried that something would go wrong and like happily nothing, nothing did. And we were really lucky. Everybody stayed safe and healthy so much so that we did it again the following <laughs> year and <laughs> brought her along. But I was, yeah, I was, I was definitely worried about productivity. I mean, I think I made all of these really great field plans while I was pregnant in the time that I was pregnant for the kind of the next field season. And as a first time parent, I had no idea what I would be capable of with an infant. And I think there's this kind of, there can be this pressure, you know, especially in academia to kind of not stop, you know, you can't really stop your work because everything you, you do and every job you get and every grant you get looks at the accumulation of your publications and your field work and everything and, and pauses are more and more recognized, especially if they're related to children or illnesses, but it's not always Um, So there is this pressure to produce to just, yeah, to produce and to just keep going. And I think I had that in mind somewhere and was like, no, I can do it and we'll be together and we can, we can totally make this happen. And so we just made plans like normal. And I had in my mind that I would be able to work like normal. (laughs) And that's just totally not, not the case. I I think that was a big adjustment because I was able to be somewhat productive, but certainly not as productive as I normally had been and not as productive as I had planned. So it was an adjustment. Was that hard? Like, did you feel like you were you 
trying not to beat yourself up the whole time or could you? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, it was, it was such, that was a, one of the biggest challenges. I think it was trying to accept that and not be frustrated by that. And it took, it took a little while, but you know, eventually I just, you know, I had to, like, if I was going to get anything done, I had to sort of shift gears, use the time that I did have productively, try to be looser with my schedule in terms of time management. You know, I was always somebody who was flexible when things didn't go as planned, but I'm a planner, you know, I'm an organizer. And so this was just sort of a bit of a surprise. So it was frustrating. And, but once I got over it and once I, you know, found my groove, it was fine. And at that point, you know, the time management was actually pretty easy to handle. Once I got over not being as productive as I had hoped, you know, I just work when I could and work without having perfect recordings. So I'd record when I, when I had the moments to record when somebody could hold her and I could run off for, you know, half an hour, an hour, or if she was sleeping, you know, I'd do my computer work in the evening by flashlight, like you do in, in regular times. And, um, I got sort of back to more like ethno-linguistic work. So a lot of just talking with people about language and not necessarily talking to them, you know, in language or trying to elicit something about their language or trying to, to capture a recording of language. I did a lot of talking about language and about language history and just taking good good notes and, and just trying to, to do what I could with, with what I could. And it, it actually was really fruitful in the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. What backup plans did you put in place to prepare yourself or your partner? Was it your partner's first time at your field site? Yeah, he came when I was pregnant. Um, and that at that time he wasn't working on the project that I was working on. And then by the time we went back with our daughter, he was formally part of the project um, as well. So he's an archaeologist, so he was doing definitely different kind of field work. But we had sort of a, a collaborative um, interdisciplinary project going on. Yeah, we had we had backup plans and as much as we could. You know, I think I think I will say we were really well prepared in terms of all of the logistic kind of logistical things. Uh, we we both kind of knew that we wanted to do this kind of thing as a family and take children into the field. But when it was a reality, you know, we, you know, for me personally, I've done field work in really remote places. Almost every place I've done field work has been really hard to get to and critically hard to get out of and doesn't have frequent, frequent access in or out or, um, you know, doesn't have a plane or, easy access for a helicopter, these kind of things. So I think knowing going in, I knew I was uncomfortable with being in a super remote place. So we, we worked together on finding a field site that worked with our collaborative project that was easier access to the main island. Um, so they're, you know, in that easier access to the international airport, if we really needed to get out quickly. Yeah more frequent flights. Like if you hadn't crushed the dengue mosquito. <laughs> exactly. If I hadn't crushed the dengue mosquito. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. There was, you know, we were closer to a hospital. We were closer to the doctors that we talked to in the main city. Um, 
you know, it was a place that did have way lower incidence of mosquito-borne illnesses. You know, we did our research on this kind of thing. And, you know, again, critically, we, we wanted to find a place that made sense for the project where we could both be doing our work simultaneously um, so that we could be together as a family. Yeah. So that was sort of the one line of preparation. We had really good travel insurance, of course. And as I mentioned, we established relationships with local doctors in the main, in the main city. And then I had contacted like a medical evacuation service and had them on speed. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the phone, as when we finally like got to MI, I mean, there's a lot of phone service there. It's, there's service in lots of parts of the island, but where we were, the village where we spent this particular amount of time, there was no service. I mean, we could have easily got it had we gone on a little walk, but I came to find out when we got there that there was no service. <laughs> so my good intentions of having the evacuation helicopter on speed dial was, you know, maybe. <laughs> Luckily, we didn't have to use it, but it probably still would have been okay. Yeah. And then we, you know, there's there's the hospital that's close by on, on the main island. So we had that as a plan. And then we, in terms of budgeting, we, we had kind of put aside some money for if we needed to change plans, if we needed to make any changes or have any travel plans or that, that would shift and made sure, of course, that our travel insurance had evacuation that that would be covered if we needed to you know go to new caledonia which was only an hour away to uh to a better hospital if there was something serious um so we were Mm -hmm. we were ready in terms of food and waterborne illness that was another issue that we were concerned about um when she was really little she was a really good breastfeeder and so i kind of made the decision that happily she went along with (laughs) um, to just continue to like exclusively breastfeed her. So she wasn't really eating anything when we were there um, and she wasn't really drinking water. So all of her nutrition was like coming direct from the source, (laughs) so to speak, from me. And so we didn't really need to deal with that. But we did prepare. We met with our doctor here in Germany before we even left and made sure all of her immunizations were up up to date and got prescriptions for every possible thing that she could have Mm. um, and just understood when to use what and all of that. So we were armed with a good travel pharmacy and I think critically having, having the preparation and the foresight to have funds and also the mentality that it's okay if things don't go well, we can leave. Uh, And I think that was really, really important. Yeah. And in terms of work, I was probably less honest with myself than I was with my colleagues and with my boss. I mean, they were all, nobody nobody cared about productivity other than me. So, you know, everybody was actually really supportive. So again, I was really lucky in that respect. And then uh, last year when she, we took her, when she was about 18 months, you know, she of course wasn't breastfeeding. So, I mean, she was, but not her sole source of nutrition. So we... We brought a lot of food for her um, and we brought more than enough. So it wasn't like a situation where we were just preparing food for her and not sharing. So we brought 
food that we knew she would like and that was healthy for her that we could also share with other kids and other people. And then we had like a camping stove so we could sort of monitor the preparation. We we prepared her food for her because our field situation, usually you, you eat with everybody, but she would eat earlier than us and um, and everybody else. So it was actually very easy to just sort of do her stuff on the side so we could have a bit more control over it. Yeah. Was it okay? Like, did, did people accept that your daughter was not going to eat the same food that they were eating? Or was it a little bit delicate? I think it was okay. Because I mean, for the most part, like, she ate a lot of the food that was prepared by other people in the end. So it was fine. I mean, it, it, I think it was, it was received well, and it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine it would be like, I, I'm just thinking about my my own personality. And I feel like if I wanted to parent my child in a certain way, but that was not the way that community was used to parenting their children. And if they questioned me on it, I think I would feel self-conscious. Like, I don't want to be saying that your way is bad, but that's not how I'm doing it. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think, and I think we'll run into that, you know, we plan to continue to take her and I think we'll, we'll run into those kind of things, you know, in the future too. And I, it is kind of a delicate balance, but I think if you can, you know, it's just setting, setting boundaries, I guess, and, and just sort of like, this is the way it is. And for, for us, like, we kind of have to do this for her, because she's not, you know, I think I was really frank about it. I was just like, she's not, she's not used to the same things that like, we as adults are all used to. And yeah, we, we need to make sure she doesn't get sick, because we want to we want everybody to be here and, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally. And people, I mean, people seem to understand. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think we actually went through all the questions because my last one was before you had your daughter was going into the field with children, something that you had considered when you were planning out your career. But you said you you did want to do it before you had kids. Yeah, I mean, we. I had kind of like, I've always fantasized about it. Like, I always knew I wanted to have a field work kind of career. And so I always, and I also knew I wanted to have kids. And so I always sort of fantasized about having my, my kids with me in the field, and whatever that would look like. But like, in my fantasy, it was always sort of like older, older kids coming of age and like a feel, you know, just like sort of a kind of, a, now that I think about it, it seems really ridiculous. But I, I never really imagined or thought about having a, an infant with me in the field. And it's the way I, I kind of have structured my life as a scientist and the way my my partner has done the same. It was it was a natural step for us when we got there. Um, but I don't think either of us could have expected how it was, you know, in the end. What advice would you give to your former self or someone else who wants to take their kids into the field, but maybe feels a little intimidated by it? Yeah, I have a lot of things to say about this. <laughs> so I think anybody who does field work knows that it can be unpredictable. And the same sort of thing applies here. So I would say preparation is key, but also be prepared for things to change and to not go according to your plan. And I think that's general advice for all field work, but definitely for this. And, you know, being flexible and being adaptable and... um Again, being being okay to leave if you need or even feel like you need to leave. I actually had to leave two times. So when she was really little, when we were on MI, 
we, as I said, we had done all this research to make sure that there hadn't been cases of malaria um, on island recently, and there hadn't been. But then while we were there, we heard about a case on island um, in a village that was kind of far away, but the island was really small. So it wasn't so far away. And it was sort of like this boundary that I had set my, for myself in a hard line that if malaria was on the island, then I would take my daughter off island because I just didn't want to risk it. And even though like we had been, we had been in the groove of field work and being there for uh, like almost a month at that point. And so this hard line that I had drawn for myself before didn't seem so concerning after a month of being there, but still like having set that boundary before going in kind of pushed me to say, okay, I'm going to get on the next plane and go back to the main city and whatever. I'll end my field work a little bit early. And I'm glad I did because obviously it wouldn't, it's way more important to, you know, keep everybody safe than it is to get one more word list or to have one more conversation about something. And then even this last year, we we were in Tahiti and we were supposed to be there for a month, just sort of catching up on some field work from a few years ago. And they had a dengue outbreak. So it's the same sort of thing. Like, okay, um, she probably wouldn't get it, but in the small chance that she would, it would be really serious and bad. So we're just going to like shift gears and change travel plans and we're ready for this. So it's, it's no big deal. So I think it's really, really important um, to be ready to change your plans, to be ready to leave and to have a plan to do so and the funds to do so. Um, and then I think another thing is like being really honest about your situation and really running through the risks. So it's like, we definitely took risks, right? But we took ones that we knew we could handle to some degree. Like we knew our field site well, we felt like we had planned well, we were extremely privileged to have support from our boss and our colleagues to have each other in the same field site, to have everybody generally healthy. All of these things were, were positives that allowed us to be able to make this decision. So I think, you know, really addressing ahead of time, like what your situation is um, and being honest about that and being really running through the risks is, is important. And then I think, yeah, preparing for medical emergencies and finding and accepting help from people. Um, so when she was really little, this first time we took her, she was constantly breastfeeding and I was so nervous that it was hard for me to let somebody watch her. So she spent, as I said, all of her time sort of strapped to me in the baby Bjorn um, or playing on a mat nearby while I was working. Um, but on her second visit, um, to the field with us. She was older. I was much more relaxed. <laughs> and we we had a lot of help. And we actually found somebody specific to help us look after her. So oh, that's a good idea. She could stay and like hang out. Yeah, it was great. And she could stay and hang out with her friends in the village and like, yeah. be a kid and not be tagging along with mom or dad. And we could go and do some work and everybody was happy. And it was really, really wonderfully productive too. Yeah. And then I guess the last bit of advice is something that is hard to do because there aren't a lot of resources, but talk to people who've done it, talk to other parents who've done any sort of 
field work or travel with young kids um, and with baby, if you're taking babies, definitely talk to your doctor and talk to other parents who've taken babies to the field. And like, again, resources for this are totally minimal and, but more and pe- more people are doing it, I think. And um, I found the people that I was able to reach out to, they were really receptive and their advice was really good. And I'm of course available if anybody has questions and wants to have an honest conversation and more details about the the crazy things of having an infant with you. Yeah, I mean, so I've honestly been looking for someone like you for like since I started the podcast because oh, okay. I, I knew it was something <laughs> I really wanted to have discussed, but there's just not a lot of people who take young children into the like I and I can see why, but yeah. It, it kind of then means that, well, I guess I have to take this five-year hiatus from the field. And, you know, how do you keep that connection going with the community? It's really, it's really tricky. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely doesn't mean a hiatus. Like, even if, in retrospect, like, I, I think I said when I was, I made these fieldwork plans while I was pregnant, and I had all this, I felt all this pressure. Not, no one was pressuring me, but I felt pressure. I was pressuring myself. And in retrospect, looking back at that, had I chosen to not go to the field, it would have been fine. You know, I would have gone last year and it would have been different, but it would have been fine. And at the same time, I'm, I'm really, really glad we, we did what we did. And I think it was a really enriching experience for our whole family. But I think, you know, it's got to be the right decision for, for the individual. And if it doesn't feel right, like, it's also really important to know that it's not going to ruin your career to to not go do field work um, for for a year or two. Um, it's it's totally okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Oh, well, thank you, Mary, so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure to to be here, and yeah, thanks again for having me. Yeah, of course. Where can our listeners find you and learn more about your work? Sure. Um, so I'm on Twitter. Um, and I, I'll link your Okay, awesome. Handles. And mostly tweeting about, you know, linguistic things and Vanuatu and French Polynesia, and also coffee and being a parent to a toddler. And then in terms of the project that um, I work on, you can check out that project, which is the Comparative Oceanic Linguistics or cool um the cool project and i you'll have a link to that also okay cool (laughs) sounds good great thank you so much yeah thank you you've been listening to field notes a podcast about linguistic field work this podcast is hosted and produced by martha satsui billens with production help from laura satsui our music is by lobo loco and our logo is by evil designs if you have a question or field work experience to share you can email us at fieldnotespod at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter and instagram at ling field notes if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us an apple podcast review thanks for listening